location? No. This not at all. Vicky's. No, Conroy's Flowers. Okay. And then there's, McDonald's wasn't even there really when Skatopia was. Um, when we went to Skatopia, I mean, it didn't happen until what? The last year or something like that? McDonald's? Or was it there the whole time? I thought it was there. I don't remember opening it. Uh, I just remember, you know, we used to go in and screw around. Yeah. <laughs> Whoa. Thank you. Thank you. Anything else I can get for you? Um, nope. Enjoy. I had coffee too. You had a coffee? Yeah. Okay, let me check that. Oh, no. Hi, dude. Can you help me with this? <laughs> I'm not hungry. You can take it the rest home or whatever, you know. Last time you and I were in this area, right here, we're at the corner of, uh, what is this, Orange, Thorpe, and Knott's. We were, you were probably how old? I was 14? Well, it would have been, uh, would have been about 79. Okay. Open and the then, so that would have been 16, 17. Because Skate, Skate City opened in, uh, 79-ish. Okay. And then we, I basically didn't want to, you know, ride my skateboard for eight, eight miles to I know. get here. <laughs> I know. It had to be great. Um, and that was such a beginning for a lot of stuff too, wasn't it? I mean, like, a lot of people that localize that place turn out to sort of stick with it, skateboarding. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, um, there's people that went from Skatopia, I mean, Skatopia to Skate City. Yeah. I mean, Raybones kind of showed up mm. quite a bit. But then just the kind of stuff they had at Skate City, how it was like, you know, huge pipe, big keyhole, big half pipe, clover, everything. You guys loved the clover, didn't you? Yeah, yeah. I mean, it, it was fun. It was the fun part. Yeah. But then we skated basically everything except for, or at least I skated, uh, Mostly the clover, keyhole, pipe a little bit, and then the capsule pull. Because you can, uh, it's kind of lopsided, because I think one side was shallower than the deep end. Oh, okay. But you can come, I remember learning tricks, of, like inverts and stuff, getting them better off of coping and stuff. You can come past the clover and kind of roll into the deep end and then come up to the shallower capsule end that's right in front of the building and practice stuff there. It wouldn't be as hairy. <laughs> right. Do you remember, um, as a skater, like the difference between going from Skatopia to Skate City? I mean, I know you tried things like Lakewood. Bigger things existed before Skate City, but you got to localize that place. So did it change your skating to be able to ride this thing? all this coping and all this um, higher state-of-the-art terrain, so to speak? We just said, well, we had, you know, we had the capsule at the back of Skatopia, so we had the gnarly terrain. That thing was gnarly. So it was just, you know, once you get used to that, it was kind of a little bit easier even okay. to skate. Because the, the Skate City keyhole uh -huh. was just wide open. Okay. I mean, it was a super, super easy transition. You get to the top. Okay. Um, it didn't have anything, you know, the, the harder stuff was like maybe the, the half pipe. Mm. It was a little weirder. Mm -hmm. But um, I, don't think I, I didn't spend too much time in the half pipe. I made mm -hmm. a couple little bowls to run around in in the back 
in the big, you know, obvious flat freestyle area with the little banks. Right. Um, but, you know, it was... At Skatopia, we always had, you know, Raybones and then visiting people coming to help push you. Yeah. And there, all of a sudden, once uh, the Skate City team tryouts happened, everybody there was pretty awesome. <laughs> yeah? Yeah. I mean, I, you know, I... It was a lineup. Each well, well, I mean, but I think uh, I'd never heard of or seen Lance before. Yes. Was that kind of where he was born as a skater or not? I'm sorry, did you order a coffee? Uh, well, I said coffee. There's no coffee on your... You oh, okay. You want to check the receipt? No, no, that's no, okay. I, that's fine. I'll get it. No, I, uh, I probably don't need coffee anyways. Are you sure? Yeah. You sure? Yeah, I had I'm coffee right, right before I left. Oh, okay. All right. <laughs> no problem. Um... But uh, you know, and and I was I was skating at a higher level mm -hmm. than it is Skatopia. Right. And I thought, okay, well, I'll, I'll be you know I'll be one of the one of the guys to get on the team. Yeah. And then all of a sudden Lance comes in uh -huh. and just <laughs> blows everybody away. Really? <laughs> and you know he'd obviously been skating somewhere else. Okay. Do you know where? No, I think uh, I was talking to somebody yesterday, and uh, they all grew up out. Arcadia area or oh, okay. somewhere around there or Pasadena something like that somewhere okay. in there yeah um, he was a guy that you know had been skating with Lance for since they were kids since they were kids oh um, were you at the block yesterday or something or? no John likes to go to uh, all the big kind of events so we went to the Hall of Fame oh how was induction that ceremony. it was it was pretty hot yeah it was it was, it was amazing because uh, Ray Bones got inducted that was huge I almost went because of that yeah well that's when uh, I would have gone no matter what but um, when I saw he was in the, the like run or whatever yeah yeah awesome that dude <laughs> right great bone no I, I don't know what happened after I stopped skating but he was to me he was a superstar yeah just because of the way he skated it and I never seen anything like it since yeah the way he skated I've never seen that. I don't know if I, I probably told you, but I probably said it a thousand times on this podcast, but I saw Ray Bones at Costa Mesa Skate Park in that little peanut bar one time. There were just very few people there, and um, he just sort of got back into riding. I don't know how long that clip before, but this had to be six years ago, so maybe 2005 or something like that, and it was the same thing. The way he rode that thing was like, did somebody install like monorails in the bowl? Cause like he, he could carve that thing and like he just seems to defy gravity. I don't know how to explain it, but like I've never seen anybody so smooth. You know? No, that's what it is. That's what made him so amazing. I mean, it was, it was pretty effortless. And then um, I, he was he was at one of those Skatopia things, right, at Chino? He did. He came to the Chino one. I don't know if he skated or not, but uh, I didn't see if he did. Um, he was he was awesome. He was you know super humble. Just kind of thank anybody and everything. <laughs> That's killer. About stuff. I saw Julie. Um, I see Julie Powell a lot at where I work. Okay. Yeah, I'm not familiar with her. She's a. Uh, she, her, and George are Pal Peralta. Okay. Or the Pal part of Pal Peralta. Okay. And uh, she came down to you know help celebrate Raybones getting in. It's a lot of thing. That's so sweet. I'm glad you got to see that. I, I would have liked to have seen that. Yeah. I think it kind of snuck up on me, but uh, yeah. that's cool. No, it was fun. I mean, you get to see 
in they do the seventy the sixties and the seventies inductions and there's up on the big screen there's pictures right mm. and they, when did people start taking video because all of a sudden all of a sudden uh, in the eighties they you start seeing they started playing videos of people and then it makes you feel really old right because <laughs> it's all grainy and whatever yeah right mm-hmm. that's cool I mean people did have videos when, even when you and I skated and you and I have talked many times or our skatopia days. You and, uh, I don't, I've, I've talked many times about this. I wish they'd come up with that stuff. Like, I remember being at Skatopia and people coming with cameras and shooting stuff, and I'm sure they must have shot a little clip of you. And I remember one time there was somebody there, I don't know if you put the helmet on, but they had a camera in a helmet, and somebody rode down the half pipe of that, and, and I've never seen the footage. I mean, it's probably just gone, most of it. But um, that, that is one. That, that is one thing that I would totally trip on is any video footage of Skatopia. Well, I have you to thank for uh, pictures that I can show my kids and stuff. Yeah. <laughs> whatever you put up on the, the website and stuff. It's pretty right. fun. Right. Yeah. That's cool. Who else was inducted that sort of um, stood out? Wally. Oh, that's killer. Another Wally one. and... Uh, uh, a woman named Edie Robertson, who says I, I've met her. I've met her many times. Yeah, <coughs> she's an old Sims person. Right. I see her. I see her around uh, Goleta and Santa Barbara too sometimes. Okay, isn't um, that where she lives, Santa Barbara? Yeah, 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 she grew up there. We actually stayed at her house when uh, Sims would go up there. Oh, really? Uh, that a thing? The one, well, the one time I remember, we went up and kind of raided the warehouse, and uh, they, uh, you know, went surfing. And then we did a demo the next day at a, a little fairground they have there. Mm. We all went up to uh, Stater House where she lived. And it was this big house up on the Mesa. Okay. Um, did you guys go to Sparks Goleta, that skate park last year? We probably did, but I don't remember. Was John Schaff on the team back then? Simpson? I think so. Buddy Holly. Yeah, yeah. Glasses. I think he. I think he came. I don't know. If, Kim might have been on it, mm-hmm. and Johnny Walker, I don't think he was pro yet. I don't remember Johnny Walker, who's that now? Uh, just amazing skater guy. Yeah? Yeah. Really? Yeah. I mean, I don't know if he really skated at uh, Skatopi too much. Mm. I can't remember. Mm. But, uh, no, it was fun because, I mean, last night there was everybody there. Right. And, everybody's you know, together. Is it... You know, strange to see everybody's like taking arthritis medication and checking their pulse and stuff like that, and gray hair. And, and that's the biggest thing. Everybody's all gray haired, and you know you, the difference between people that are, you know, still punk rocked out uh-huh. know, 40 years later <laughs> versus people that are just kind of you know just cruising around normal. <laughs> <laughs> but it's all right. That's killer. No, we got, we uh, some of the Skate City people like John Lucero mm-hmm. and uh, Lance were there, so we got to That's basically killer. sit with them. Um, yeah, yeah, it's good watching. It. It's kind of grimy part of L.A. Well, okay. down on Broadway, I don't know. It's not super grimy, but I think they're trying to resurrect that area. I think they're trying to gentrify that whole. 
I had heard, I guess it might be not be the right district, but I had heard like they'd already gentrified downtown LA, but there must be oh, like an arts district or something. Right, right. That's killer. Well, that, that's so cool. I saw that stuff and, you know, by that time at night, I'm pretty tired, so I'm just like, wow. Kind of glad I'm not there. <laughs> I kind of wish I was there, but, you know. It, it was good. I was, I started to, like some of the people, you know, there was a, there was a couple different people who ramped on. Mickey Alba. Yes. Got inducted also. Right, now there's a huge, there's a huge drama over that because I don't know if you saw it, but on, on Facebook, people are giving him drama about life, his life choices and. Oh really? Yeah. And, uh, I'm not on Facebook anymore. Oh. Yeah, I don't. Tell see. me about that. That's just one of those things. Yeah. <laughs> I. Yeah. Uh, it's just like not use a useless sort of. It's not useless, but I kind of am in the camp of not giving away your whole life to corporation. Right, because they and, make money off everything we share, everything we do. Yeah, and, and you know, they they get caught doing horrible stuff with privacy every six months. <laughs> and they every pretend to, you know, okay, well, we're going to do something about it. But, you know, they helped. They helped uh, get this current administration in the White House. And what, whatever because it would benefit them to do that financially? I, I, or? I just think, yeah. They got they got money out of it, but they, it was to the point where, you know, they had people from Cambridge Analytica and Facebook based in the Republican candidates, uh, you know, war room or whatever you want to call it. Okay. I don't know. That's pretty heavy. Cause that's the very. I don't know. Well, you you know we've been. I mean, you. We both used to, I used to be into graphic design, right? Yeah. And then I got into. Uh, CSS and HTML and building web pages yes. basically by hand, you know, no dream we were just right, start typing that. stuff out. Yep. And, uh, yeah. and that's, you know, even in the past three or four years, I've uh, gone through some uh, online training to do uh, Ruby on Rails kind of web applications and stuff. So what is that? Tell me about that. What is that? It's, a, it's kind of a dying out uh, platform now. Okay. But Ruby on Rails is... Uh, a platform where you write a lot of Ruby code, which is a programming language. Okay. And then, uh, how's it run? It teaches. It basically uh, compiles everything into a, a website, but it also, you know, has a database backend, oh. and it can pull in other stuff. So you, you have to learn SQL to be able to connect to the database and talk to it. And here, it's like WordPress, you know, but WordPress yes. is uh, PHP. Yes. So, so Ruby is its own language. Yeah. Okay. And uh, you know, it, it, five years ago, Ruby was the the hot the hot language to make websites in, and now okay. it's I think it's more about a uh, Node and JavaScript and stuff like that. You know how like stuff goes in and out of style. I know. Um, but see, that kind of digging down and getting nitty gritty is what really got I got excited about. So the um, because. It's so, you could do so anything you want, or why is that? You can do anything you want, and you know exactly what's going on. You're right, like, mystery. With, like with, you know, Dreamweaver, which is a, a GUI, uh, yeah. WYSIWYG kind of thing. You you can push stuff around the page and make a web page and then put it up on the web. And it then it'll, it'll look... Tiny one pixel graphics in it to, to actually force that to happen. And yeah, yeah. <laughs> but then you look at the code, and it's like 10 times as much code as, or markup, as yeah. you as you need, yeah. so it was That's more true. interesting for me to like 
figure out how exactly HTML markup works. Right. And then you type up the minimal amount that you can. That's killer. Um, and that was fun, and that kind of evolved into like me reading about programming, and then that evolved and into you know if I wanted to try to get out of uh, Trader Joe's, um, I started taking these classes, and I got okay. you know I got I can basically made a bunch of you know Twitter clones and mm. you know, blogging website kind of clones. That's killer. To where I didn't know people you were doing can, this. It was it was pretty steady for a couple of years, and then I started going on some uh, job interviews. Uh, for places around the Santa Barbara area, okay. and uh, they never really panned out. Mm -hmm. I think you know these. There's, I think uh, some of these places were trying to be like the little San Jose kind of startup kind of places. It was all 20 year olds and far fresh out of you know computer science degrees. Yeah. And I walked in there, you know, gray hair and 40s, <laughs> or not in 40s, 50s. Oh my God. Um, so there might have been a slight little bit of ageism, but you know, I'm happy where I am right now. And Zachary, you know, Zachary's uh, nine years old. Wow. So Dang, dude. He, he wants to be a video game programmer. That'd be killer. And uh, he's already been learning in the past year, he's already been learning a lot of Unity to do uh, animations. Wow. And now he's uh, in a Python class, which is another programming language. I've heard that. I didn't know. What, I've seen that. I, didn't, I never knew what that was exactly. Um, they're just all different programming languages. Okay. Like Python is the same as Ruby, is the same as uh, okay. JavaScript. Okay. It's okay. Uh, but it's funny because he's you know nine years old in fourth grade. Yeah. And uh, he's on this online class where he has to log in and he have a live teacher. Wow. And uh, all the rest of the kids in the class are you know seventh and eighth grade. <laughs> and and he, he did his first session last Sunday, and tomorrow, uh, tomorrow he's going to do another one. And you know, I'm, it's fun to help him with you know just basic stuff. Yeah. Um, so that'll be fun. That's killer. He's kicking some ass. He's he's doing. He's got his brain is spinning pretty good. He's yeah. a couple grades ahead of where he should be on any kind of subject. Mm. That's awesome. I mean. Um, that's what he's doing is a, um, he could either make something with that code and really change things, you know? Because the code itself isn't really key, is it, right? I mean, it's being a visionary about it somehow to where you do something nobody else thought to do, or maybe just being lucky and coding something that everybody wants, right? Well, he, he definitely wants to be a video game designer, but he's nine years old. And uh, you know, I, I, I yeah. buy into the fact that. But that's that, a good time to start. I mean. Yeah, but I, I buy into the fact that if you're growing up now, you, you should probably be learning how to code if you're a kid. Why is that? Um, well, job wise, but not, not mostly job wise, I think that coding, you have to uh, learn principles on how to solve problems. Okay. And. Uh, you know, coding, you learn different ways to do it. Yes. So you have a better, uh, you know, basic bag of tricks on learning how to solve a problem that you have. So, you know, I don't think everything's going to be uh, in an app in the future, but mm -hmm. I think if you learn how to code and do it right and do it by professional standards and, you know, the best practices and mm -hmm. stuff, 
anything you do in your life, you're going to learn how to, you're going to take those same, oh, the same principles, same principles and how to solve the coding problems. You're going to use them right. to uh, fix stuff in your own life. Right. Well, that's true. Very true. So that's exciting. I mean, and I think that what he chose is a wonderful medium because I, uh, my, my ex-wife, her brother was really into video games. He got me into the Xbox, so I just played just some first-person shooter stuff, and I hadn't played video games since I played video games with you, probably, at Skatopia's, you know, just archaic Space Invaders and blah, blah, blah. Yeah. Which were great games, though. <coughs> um, and the new games, I don't know if you've ever, have you played any of the new games at all? Or? <laughs> you know what, I have a, I have profiles for, you know, the, the Fortnite kind of stuff. Okay. But I haven't played. Oh, yeah. I, I played, I played a long time ago. And uh, but I think Fortnite is what got uh, both Zachary and Beckett into like the whole. Fortnite. Yeah, I mean, in the beginning, you know, the last couple seasons of it or whatever, they got super into it. Right. But you know, then luckily they're not crazy obsessed with it because they're yeah, yeah. kind of they're kind of uh, falling back to going on different stuff. You know, they they, they I, I just realized probably a couple months ago that. YouTube is like the new TV. Oh, absolutely. You, you, you kind of think about it. Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. And then, um, but I always see Beckett just, he'll, he'll be watching, uh, he's super into like Dragon Ball Z. Okay. And that's, I don't know what that is. Well, that's been going on for like 30 years or 40 years, okay. something like that. And uh, he's super into it. It's like, but the, the video game part of it is only 2D. So it's like, there's two guys that kind of bash into each other and do stuff. Okay. Um, but he's been watching the whole history of it and learning about <laughs> whatever you know, magic spell or something stupid like that. Yeah. But um, no, they're 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 probably you know they're probably average on their obsession with video games, but uh, it's it's obviously a big thing in their lives. I think it's going to be bigger because I know that when I played that stuff, I was shocked at how it's just becoming so large. You know, the story, you get into the story, and um, maybe you shoot stuff, maybe you have some mission you're trying to do, but really late at night, you're kind of tired, you're playing the thing, and you have live people with headsets on, playing and talking to you about, he's in that building over there, go over here, whatever. And you begin to sort of blur a little bit of your reality, a little bit, you know, and I can only imagine that as time, you know, the controller shakes when a big jet flies over, <laughs> or if you... You know, and you begin yeah. to, these little cues, little subtle cues, and you would never think, but you actually try it, it's kind of, kind of sucks you in a little bit. Well, yeah, and I, I but I think, I've, I've watched uh, Zachary playing and, you know, all the online parts of it. They've got, like, they were in school all day with these kids, and then they get to go home and, like, have some fun on either Fortnite or okay. Overwatch or some weird kind of thing like that. Right. Um, well, speaking you know, a different it, language, I didn't know what you are talking about, but. Well, these are different games. I know. <laughs> <laughs> um, and you know, and with Beckett too. Beckett, uh, yeah, he has the the, the social stuff going on, mm. um, and he's been able to get into it and it'd be a little bit easier for him to um, be engaged with people. That's just killer. through a headset. That's killer. That's a, right. So we kind of have a little bit more. Uh, we allow a bit, a little bit more stuff because of that. Yeah. Yeah. I, you know, I think YouTube's fascinating. I mean, like, I went on, I, let me get into shooting, you know, this uh, large format film and um, 
it's the most dry, boring. If you don't do it, it's the most dry, boring thing you could think of, you know. And, um, but I, I went on there and I just saw some guy processing film. And he shot the thing like in his shed in the backyard, and he's showing you what he did and da 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 da. Now it ended. And then there's another one of the same thing, and another one of the same thing. And another, and they create this playlist for you of this obscure, you know, niche thing, you know? And oh, yeah, yeah. I feel like you could go on YouTube and almost anything you're interested in, there's probably hundreds or thousands of videos on it. Well, actually, it's kind of weird because I, I, I've actually done that just to, okay, you know, I went and got my oil changed six months ago or whatever, whenever this one time I did it. Yeah. And they wanted, they said, well, you need a new air filter. Uh, and they would have charged like 30 bucks just to replace it. Right. And I probably could do that. Yeah. <laughs> so I went on YouTube and uh, looked at uh, my more, my you know Ford Focus kind of thing. And it's just like, you know, take this thing off, pull it out, stick it back on and put the cover back on. Okay, I'll do that. <laughs> but it's not like, okay, I mean, it, you know, in the 70s or 80s, you don't, you don't have the internet to... I know. Show you how to do stuff. I know. If you didn't have somebody who knew how to do it that could teach you, or access to maybe a book, yeah. you couldn't do it. I mean, remember, you remember, uh, well, I don't know if you ever had the, the uh, Volkswagen Bible kind of thing. Oh, yeah. The hippie dude on it? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. You know, that, that shows you how to do everything. I love that thing. <laughs> and have it in the everything. back of my bug the whole time. <laughs> but uh, What bug did you have? I, can, I don't remember you having a bug. I only had one for uh, briefly, and then I ended up. Uh, <clears throat> I started working at Vons, and I was, you know, I was making halfway decent money for a 17-year-old okay. or whatever. So I went and got a convertible Rabbit. Ooh, brand new. Oh So my I, God. I sold uh, the bug to Jerry Maddox. Oh seriously? Yeah. That's cool. And, and this is after I'd already cherried it out and like went to the dealership and bought new little knobs and carpet kits and everything. Wow. And then you know. Uh, I think what happened was about six months later, uh, his girlfriend totaled it. <laughs> That's all right. <laughs> That's the way it goes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it trips me out, YouTube. Like, I don't know how, how does TV compete with that? Is it just because I'm old that I like to watch YouTube so much that the young people like it as much as I do? I mean, um, but I feel like it's a really powerful thing. Well, it and is, and um, I, I still think it's not as, I like the fact that um, it's, it's not on, you know, you have to stop what you're doing to watch the new uh, new show of a certain season or something that you want is on a Tuesday night at 8 o'clock, you don't have to uh, stop what you're doing to watch that on TV, so or to watch a return, you know, you remember on yeah. TV, right. basically with before cable even. Right. You you watch reruns of you know General Hospital or something. Yeah. But you ended up knowing what time it was on. True. And now you just walk you know push a button on whatever one you want to watch and it'll start when streaming. you want right. to. Yeah. Right. And you have to remind the remind the guys my guys that you, know, you can pause this <laughs> <laughs> and then pick it up whenever you want. Right. Let's have dinner. <laughs> <laughs> so into it. I know. But isn't it also interesting that you don't have to have like some big Hollywood budget or know how to make videos that can intrigue people? Yeah, I mean, it, you know? it, it, it's kind of weird to watch the, the progression of you know mm -hmm. people who 
are really popular. Mm. There's some like there's a Fortnite player that has 20 million people wow. that watches them. Wow. Talk about Fortnite. That's yeah, you know, they're driving around with like Lamborghinis and stuff. Really? Because like, people watch them on YouTube. Yeah. Yeah. Well, they, they get paid uh, by how many people watch. I guess. Right. So they're making you know. The, oh my God. I, I heard I, it's like some people are doing like three, four hundred thousand a month. Well, like the ninja guy uh -huh. that does Fortnite. Uh -huh. He's like the guy that they're trying to break out and make him a, you know, a household name in different kind of sports and stuff, e-sports and stuff. Okay. He said he made $500,000 a month. I, I, like, I believe that. I mean, what, what do you even do with that much money? Right. That's true. That's true. But then, you know, it's the same thing. We saw one of these guys who we really liked. Yeah. Um, they're, they're British guys. And he was kind of a sidekick on these more popular guys' sites. Okay. His name is Ash Dub. He was always one uh, squid, some iballistic squid is the guy that's a lot more popular. Okay. Um, he put up a video saying he was basically stopping making YouTube videos because he wasn't making enough money to survive. <laughs> it's like, in the, I mean, it's like, yeah. he's on Twitch, which is a way you can subscribe to, okay. they, they can pay him to anything, but I think it's already way past that part where you know, like putting up a, a web page, where it's you know tobywaller.com or whatever. I just, you know you put it up there, and then if somebody goes and looks at it, that's fine. Okay. But having a web page up there and then doing it expressly to monetize it and try to make money and stuff, I don't think that's um, that's a weird phenomenon that's happened in the last probably ten years or something like that. Right. Right. I mean, it's it's gone it's gone away from um, delivering information to people making money. Yes, yes. It's, it's the web shouldn't be like that. That's you know that's one of the reasons why I, I, I don't have I you know I don't have Facebook but I have Instagram. You know, okay. Instagram is owned by Facebook, mm -hmm. so Facebook owns or Facebook understands a little bit more about me than they should. But right. I have my browser settings set to where everything is just deleted as soon as I leave the browser. Right. Um, just. I, I'm uncomfortable with kind of the what direction the right. surveillance state is going. Yeah, yeah. No, I understand that. I mean, it, it's um, a lot of power. Well, you hear about uh, companies leaving tetrabytes of uh, information from databases just open to the public. And uh, it, that's like 30 or 40 million people's information. I don't, I don't know. Why do you think people don't care about that? Like you're, because you're obviously in a minority of. But I, I know a lot of people that have actually given up on Facebook. But you seem a little more informed on why you've given it up. Um, why do you think? I think. Yeah. I think people. I think people are enjoying the way to. Be connected with you know people in the United States, the friends and stuff, and there's a certain subset of people that get excited about how many times their clicks, their views you know, or whatever, you know, somebody likes their post on something, um, and then they don't want to they don't want to think harder about what's behind Facebook and what that kind of uh, situation. You know. That's true. That makes sense to me. Yeah. I mean, I really don't think that social media is a thing that actually causes 
intimate conversations or relationships. I feel like it actually is the opposite. Like I feel like, um, especially Facebook, you know, it's it's a the the communication is sort of um, disconnected somehow. It's I, very disconnected. I mean, it's it's you know it's it's asynchronous. It's not like me texting you or me talking to you on the phone yeah. or us sitting here right now. Yeah. It's like there's some anxiety involved when you post something. Even on Twitter. I, I like Twitter, but I, I basically retweet people and you know, because I like the information, what's yes. going on. Yeah. But even if you say, okay, you type out something that's fairly you know, thought through and stuff, yeah. no matter who you are, you're going to go back and say, okay, does anybody understand this or did anybody <laughs> even read it? You know, you always have that little thing about you know, acknowledgement of something that you, you know, thought. You want to say something, you want somebody to hear it. Yeah. That's true. You know, and that's I, a hard one, you know. I just, uh, I can't get into politics. <laughs> because yeah. I, I mean, I, I think too much about politics. You do? You're obsessed with politics? It's not, it's not an obsession. It's, it's too, uh, what I'm viewing all day is a little too granular. It's too much information. Yeah. But it's you know it's addictive. Yeah. You find out something, you find out some bombshell kind of thing. Yeah. A couple days later, it'll be in, on MSNBC or something. Right. Um, so there's that little. Which tells you that social media is ahead of traditional media as far as delivering information. Yeah. I mean, you know, we don't even have cable at home, so I don't, I, if I want to watch something on mm. one of the stations, I'll have to go to YouTube and see if somebody put something on. Right. Um, right. I feel like political stuff's difficult on social media because I don't think I've ever seen anybody have their mind changed, at least they would not admit it anyways, through conversations on social media or the internet in general. Well, that's that's the problem with uh, the disconnection between you know people. You know, there's there's that performative aspect of it where mm -hmm. you know you're gonna you might have heard something else on Twitter or Facebook, and then you're gonna loudly proclaim it yourself, and then uh, somebody else will say something against you, and then you know you can either run away, yep. or you can uh, get into some weird back and Defend forth. Yourself. Yeah, that, that goes nowhere because everything is so polarized. Exactly. And so what's the point of it? You could it go, it's not. You could throw the ball to your kid or you could go ride a bike or... No, exactly. Exactly. Right. Sanity breaks. What is this? What is it? Just taking a sanity break. Yeah. You um, think it's like the, uh, the human being sort of... That the we're somehow wired to want that... Struggle, not struggle, confrontation with other people about things we believe in, or I think it, you know, I think it can bring out um, who you really are. Mm. You know, like there's certain people that thrive on confrontation. Yes. And you know, the, basically the, the what you would call a troll. Yeah. Yep. And you know, unfortunately. Uh, our president and somebody like that. Uh huh. Right. 
So yeah. th they're going to just spout stuff at you back and yeah. over and over and over. He successfully, and right? you can't yeah. um, reason with those people, so you just don't engage them. Right. It's a one-sided conversation. There's no point in it. Yeah. I mean, it's two people talking at each other. Right. Um, it's true. Yeah, I don't know. I, and, you know, I've been trying to just be calmer in my life. Why did you used to, you used to sort of get into it? Is, like, no, it not, not, you or? not in a social media way, but... Oh. Uh, Realizing that I don't need to do that, mm. and just staying calm and just trying to figure out what needs to go on right now. <laughs> you know, we've got yeah you know, till next November next year. Mm -hmm. Right. Um, if we saw functioning democracy by then. Some might, some might say that that's, that's long gone. Well, it depends on how you look at it. Yeah. <laughs> if, you, if you really kind of understand and like democracy, it's pretty, uh, there's not much going on to uh, hold everything together. All the department heads are gone. There's acting department heads everywhere. You know, they, if they say something wrong to Trump, he'll just can him or get him to lose. I don't know. Mm -hmm. this, uh, I don't want to talk about politics. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Skateboarding, skateboarding, skateboarding. I mean, isn't it Or funny? photography. Yeah, isn't it funny how, uh, you know, this conversation we're having, I mean, my goodness, we were just once both, both minors, and now we're having this conversation about such such things as coding software and web stuff and politics and social media you know. the only thing close to social media they have when you and I were kids maybe the CB <laughs> I had tried friends that were super into CBs they were uh, one of their one of their handles was Highway Star which was <laughs> Deep Purple Song <laughs> That's, you know, 74, 75. That's awesome. Back before from Rock. That was like Deep Purple and uh, Black Sabbath and Led Zeppelin and yes. uh, all that kind of stuff. Yeah. That's <laughs> rad. And Genesis. <laughs> but you turned me on to Genesis. I still have that in my car when I go on a long drive. I listen to um, Selling England by the Pound. That's one of my favorite albums. Nice. Yeah. And I learned about, uh, I know I say this every time I see you guys, you and your brother. Your brother turned me on to a missing persons. He found out that I was a drummer. And he just had gone to a missing persons concert. I don't know where John Waller got all those money, but he always was at everything. And, uh, and but he, oh, this guy, Terry Bozzi, was this great drummer, blah, blah, blah. And he was right, he was amazing. You know. Yeah, well, that's, I, you know, I always thought that, you know, John, went for the, the singer to go watch oh, the sure. singer. Oh, sure. Of course, that's what brought everybody in. <laughs> but then, he, you know, he's talking about the drummer stuff, but I... I I, I, don't, I doubt that he went there to go watch the drummer. Well, I also, I... I you know, I, I got out of music for a while, but I never listened to Missing Persons seriously to hear their music. Right. 
I, I remember uh, another person who did dislike missing persons was Frank Zappa, and that whole rhythm section is Frank Zappa's old rhythm section. So, Patrick O'Hearn uh, played bass for Frank Zappa, I believe, and I know for sure Terry Bozio did, and Warren Cucurillo. Did anybody ever? Did they ever talk about uh, supposedly being with Zappa and then being with? Well, Zappa, supposedly, some people say that one of Zappa's records called Tinseltown Rebellion was sarcastically and partially a stab at missing persons. Have you heard it? Oh, I love that record. One of my favorite records, Tinseltown Rebellion. Sarcastic at all? Or? I mean, Frank Zappa's so you fucking can, sarcastic. You can find the, the, you can find the digs at him. What's that? You can find all the digs at him. Or if you, if, yeah. you, if you know the history, you can understand. I would not want to be in Frank Zappa's sights, you know? I mean, that dude was articulate and intelligent, much more intelligent than I. I got to meet him one time. I was, um, my friend John Wackerman, his brother was the drummer for Frank Zappa. At the time, John Wackerman was, um, and I were wor working on electronic drums. And the uh, percussionist for Frank Zappa, <coughs> Ed Mann, had this electronic xylophone. And John, that's my friend John Wackerman, that's his background, so we went to a Zappa rehearsal. And uh, I was just so fucking intimidated. I'd walk in there. And, I mean, we rehearsed in this gigantic rehearsal hall in, I don't know where we were, somewhere in LA. And, and Frank's sitting there on a chair, smoking cigarettes, playing guitar, the band's there. And these guys were like just like sight reading musicians. I mean, it was phenomenal. Every single person in the band was like, yeah, yeah. it's like an orchestra. So I'm just standing there, like, you know, looking down. And he knew I was nervous. And he, and he, and he, and he um, after, I, he, you know, a couple seconds, oh, I'm Frank. You know, and I started talking to him. And, but even that, I just barely said anything because, you know. Yeah. He just, for me, anyways, he was just such a uh, visionary. You know, Clark was almost his uh, personal assistant. Really? He went for an interview. I don't remember what it was, you know, when we were older. I didn't uh, know that. That would be pretty, uh, pretty intense. Oh, God, yeah. You know, I, I, you know a lot more celebrities than I've ever known, but I've seen a lot because of where, you know, mm -hmm. I've worked in San Francisco and I've seen a lot of them come in and stuff. Mm. And, you know, there's been, there's, there's times when, like, Robin Williams would come in. Really? And he looked petrified. Because everybody just turns around and stares at him. Right. And you know, you, you bumped into me one time, and I said, and he goes, "Oh, sorry, sorry." And it's like, no, no, I'm sorry. <laughs> you got to go through this. You're just trying to, you know, buy some produce. <laughs> you know, yeah. that, you know, three blocks away up in this big mansion. Yeah. Um, and you know, and then you you realize that once once you know people long enough, like you know, certain people idolize Lance Mountain, John Lucero. Yeah. All those guys, and yeah. they're just normal people. Yes. <laughs> it's yeah. easy to sit down and talk to them. I saw this thing on Fonzie, on, on the same subject. And he said, if you, um, if you believe it for one moment that you are more than what you are, it's instant destruction. And he's speaking of fame. They I guess when he was Fonzie on the TV show Happy Days, that you know, it was this enormous amount of fame, and that, and that, that, 
that energy, the way people treat you, in everybody, your relatives, your family sometimes. Yeah. Um, it's like the most toxic, destructive. Who, yeah, who do you trust? Who would you trust if everybody's kissing your ass? That's right. That's, it brings it back to a little bit of like somebody's character. You know, like John Stamos or somebody. Yeah. He's probably, I, I've never met him, but he's probably the nicest guy in the world mm. versus a, a superstar movie actor who's a total prick to somebody. Right. Every, anybody. Right, 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 right. You know, yeah. you know, give me a new makeup stylist or something like that because somebody did something wrong to me. Yes. And, you know, Zero I won't, I won't, I won't send your, your helmet or something like that. You know, blah, blah, blah. I won't give you an autograph. Okay. Right. You know, that's, that's baked into somebody. That's interesting. Right. I mean, the person that became that way when they became famous... It brought it out. Yeah, it brings you out. So could that be a, a potential opportunity to address that part of your personality? If you found out that that's not working or that... Oh, there's always, there's always a potential to um, try to you know, work on yourself. Yeah. And make yourself better, but you have to acknowledge it. Right, you may not even know it. You probably don't know it for a while. If it's just what you are. Yeah. You know, people, um, like bringing it back to the president. You said you didn't want to talk politics. No, I don't. You know, I never talk politics on this podcast. (laughs) You and the the last guy I was talking to is a younger kid. He's talking politics. No, I didn't. uh, I just think. That said, I don't care if you say whatever you want. No, the, the narcissistic, I'm always right kind of attitude is just insane to me. I mean, it, it, if you can't learn from anybody else, or you're not willing to try to learn from other people, you shouldn't even be alive. Right. Um, there may be some people's lives, that's the life they had, you know, where, you know, if you had a bailout your whole life and comfort your whole life, and then maybe you don't work on those, you don't evolve in those other ways. Yeah. I mean, I'm not, even, not making excuses for anybody, but I'm just saying, in general, you know, that I feel you don't like really, don't really, I mean, you could be rich your whole life and never lift your finger for anything, and then, you know, thinking that uh, you having 30 people around you that are running this company that has your name on it, uh, think you're actually, you yourself are actually working really hard when all you're doing is making decisions. If, if, these if, other, if, if even that. Well, right. Yeah. You're, you're commanding what, a, you know, supposedly these other people are doing to... Maybe they're holding the whole thing up. Well, they, they would be. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, That's the truth. I mean... So, I've listened to probably most of your conversations. Wow. Um, you don't, don't you're the only person in the world that has. Well, I, no, every once in a while I won't. You're actually doing very well. Um, I think Mr. Z was doing yeah. large format Raise kind of stuff. Yeah. Is that what got you into it? We talked about that. Yeah, that's what I've been doing. So I've just been basically, you know, um, I, I, what I did is I took this class. It's an advanced film class. And um, <clears throat> I, I took it. I started it a couple months ago. And um, I saw that it was a film class. I was like, film? I don't have time to do this right now, you know? Because I, I had a bunch of stuff I had to do, you know, digital. And so I told the professor, I said, I don't think I can take this class because uh, film's so time-consuming and... I just don't know if I can do it. I'm afraid, and I don't even know if I can show up to all the classes. And he says, "No, it's no problem." He said, um, "You know, if you can't, just tell me ahead of time, and 
he gave me like this huge amount of leeway. And I said, I'm not, I'm, I said like, I, I might not be able to make like six of the classes. I might not be able to make 10 of the classes. I don't know. It's all right, whatever you can do, and as long as you hand in all your stuff. So I thought, okay, you know. And, um, and so I started doing it. And in the beginning, it was a little bit rough doing that again. And I was never good at that. I never did it a lot. I never did a large format at all. And um, but then I began to like it. I began to like it. It takes me, uh, today I took a picture of uh, Liz Armanto, and um, the, that image will take me about 12 hours to produce an actual print from. Because I have to go and I have to go into a pitch back room and take the film out and stick it in a machine, not even a machine, a canister, and then I have to, you know, process the film. Then you have to dry the negatives. That whole process, maybe an hour. But then you have to, to print it, you know, you have to uh, go into a dark room and find one that's good, and then you make a contact sheet, you know, which on 4x5 is literally, if you look at 8x10, it's literally four images. That's a contact sheet instead of a little, uh, yeah, yeah, you know, because it's gigantic, you know. And then, but anyways, it takes about 12 hours to get a really bitchin' print from the shot that I took today, if I didn't fuck it up. That's now, if it, I didn't fuck it up. Now, is that including a kind of post? Can you do stuff in, like, old-school uh, mechanical Photoshop kind of stuff? Absolutely. You dodge and burn. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And, and even the way you process your film, like, say, today I shot Lizzie in a pretty harsh sunlight. So in, in, in film photography, the dark parts of the picture don't change much. But you can actually kind of control the light parts of the picture. So the yeah, overcast guys are white, you know, uh, or somebody's got a harsh shadow on their face. You can control the, or not shadow, but a highlight. You can control white stuff. So even when you shoot a person, you can write on the film what the weather conditions were. And then when you go process the film, develop it, the way you shake it, how hard you shake it, the chemicals you use, how long you wash the film, all that stuff can alter that negative. And then when then then when you have that negative, you know, you make your print. It's a little easier because you you knew that oh, it was kind of a everything was flat today, so I need to really cocktail shake that sucker so that there's some contrast in the image. Uh, so, yeah. is, is, so is that just digging down to like at the super micro level to be able to bring out those things that are it's, in so, the film? Yeah, like you know, in Photoshop, you you know just, uh, do something like just not desaturated, but just make it so you can find stuff in the shadows. Okay, yes. Or, or bring out stuff. Recover shadows. Like, yeah. Yeah. Um, right. I, did, I did all that kind of stuff 20 years ago. Did <laughs> so you? Tell me about that. Um, well, where, it was, did, where did you do that? Uh, City College in San Francisco. That's killer. I was going for a... a I started for a, a journalism degree because I wanted to get out and, you know, write stories in newspapers and stuff. That's cool. And uh, I realized I wouldn't be able to do that because um, I'm not very outgoing. And I'm not I'm not somebody that can easily talk up. Get into somebody's face. Yeah. Uh -huh. You know, I, I'm amazed at John, especially last night. He goes, he knows everybody in the whole building. <laughs> I was like, come on. <laughs> but I, I, I went to cover in uh, one of the parks in San Francisco. Yeah. I went to cover uh, a big... Um, a big rally, and this is when Jerry Brown was uh, governor of, Oak, of Oakland, I think. Okay. Um, so you're in City College, and you're 
gonna go do this thing you're studying to do. Yeah. So and then I realized, and he was just walking across the grass, and I, I didn't have the balls to just go and start talking to him and asking him questions. You couldn't even go like, because I, as a photographer, I'm, I'm as shy as you are, but when I have a camera, it gives me this role. I become this. I become. Yeah, yeah. Well, we, I, I had a little notepad. <laughs> <laughs> but um, it, it got me into working on Macs because I never had a computer before, and uh, somehow I got in and took a, like a graphic design class. Right. So for the next three or four years after that, I was just taking all the different, you know, graphic design classes. And this was, right. you know, the, the mid-90s, so it was more of a print design. Yeah. So you're learning Photoshop, Illustrator, yeah. Quark Express, which yeah. then switched over to uh, InDesign, InDesign yeah. for page layout. Yep. Um, and the web was just starting. So it was like, you know, if you made a web page, you made it in Flash, what <laughs> kind of thing. I used to use ImageReady. I made a career out of ImageReady. I was thinking, I, I was almost going to make Paris Hilton's website with ImageReady. It's true. So that's, I mean, that's basically uh, what got me into it. And, you know, I, I learned diving all the way down, but this is Photoshop 6 yeah. at the end, even. So you're diving down. I took classes just on uh, learning how to scan and work with the scans yep. you have. The, so workflow. Yeah, and you know production stuff, yeah. not not the fancy stuff to make a pretty picture. Make right. you know, but that makes a pretty picture. If you don't have that stuff yeah. down, no, getting getting the best possible picture out of the information that's in that digital file. Absolutely. Um, yeah. So I was. It, that goes back to being more like you know, micro HTML, write it by hand kind of stuff. I know. It's 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 more interesting for me to do the nitty gritty and do it perfectly than mm -hmm. uh, make a fancy website that looks kind of weird and great <laughs> <laughs> to some people. It doesn't work on all screens the same. Right. Yeah. 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 Um, so I did that and then uh, got into, I was up in San Francisco, I got out of uh, the grocery industry and got into uh, working for in-house for a, uh, an art company mm. in Berkeley. So I started doing all their newspaper ads, their catalogs. So for, layout stuff? Yeah, it was all print stuff. Mm -hmm. So just layout stuff. What was that like? What did you do? You people have hand you stuff, or you actually fabricated the ads, or both, or what? Um, we did everything. Basically, That's they fun. they have you know a certain pencil set. I mean, it, it's pretty drudge work. Why um, is that? Uh, you get you do. They give you a big stack of stuff, and uh, you you, uh, you got to take the picture of it in the right thing. Okay. You got to work on the picture in Photoshop. Right. You got to bring it into uh, Quark. Yep. And then you got to do all the, the typography and the layout and stuff. Yep. And then uh, you know, show it to somebody. They like it. Okay. Then it goes in the newspaper. You know, the next day or something like that. That's the. That's how fast that you actually you would do something like that. It would be that quickly. Yeah. Yeah. Or else that's you know we take, you know you take two or three months to make their hundred page catalog of right. all the stuff they have. Right. And you know and this was when. This was when web stuff was web stuff was starting to pick up a little bit because uh, we opened up an eBay shop. Okay. We we're selling stuff on eBay. Um, so what, mid nineties or something like that, or late 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 nineties. Late nineties. Or in late nineties and I think. Uh, oh, that's true. That would be that would be late nineties actually. Yeah, eBay. right up until uh, right. maybe two thousand two thousand one. Yep. Um, so that's just you know it, you know an yep. art art supply company. How many products do they have? Oh, that's what it was? Yeah, they, oh they were a, Amsterdam Art. They were a product company. It's like uh, oh. 
one of those play, art places you go in and everything's yeah, everything. Yeah, so everything they had needed a picture and a description. Wow. <laughs> what did that feel like to do that? Was it overwhelming or did you enjoy it's, that? Or? It's, it's not overwhelming. It's, it's repetitive. Yeah. But it, it, if you're if you're you know if you're focused on it and you understand you, you like doing that kind of stuff, you right. can just get into the, the groove and do it. Right. But you know, on the side, I'm playing around with HTML and. Uh, now, do you have any of the? Did they make a paper catalog? Did yeah. They, did you save any? I'd like to see one of those one of these days. Uh, yeah. Okay, I'd like yeah. to see one of those because yeah. you are you have a wonderful uh, uh, skill at uh, you know a gift for uh, layout. I, mm -hmm. I feel. And so, Thank you. And, and so I would love to see a catalog that you made. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I could, I'll send you stuff and I can show okay. you. I mean, I, there's PDFs and uh, oh, killer. pictures. We, I mean, we did everything from, they, they do a, a, they did a big uh, uh, once a year thing at Fort Mason up in San Francisco. Okay. Where it was like a big expo kind of thing. So I was making, you know, 10 foot high signs and stuff. and. Designed the T-shirts that everybody wore and just, just that's stuff fun. like that. That's, that's fun. fun. I think that I did one time. I designed a a banner for a stage. It's pretty weird to see it up on a stage, you know. Yeah. yeah. It wasn't that great, but it was, you know, it was alive. No, not I, like you. I mean, you really have a gift for that. I mean, I've seen stuff you've made. It's, it's beautiful the stuff you make. So. Thank you. Um, you know, then we get, we basically bailed out of. Um, this is a history, I guess. We basically bailed out of Oakland okay. and moved out to Chicago because we were going to be closer to Brandy's family. That's right. And then uh, I worked for another, uh, an even funkier company because you know you can either work freelance or work in a, an ad agency that does work for other people, or you yes. can work in in-house. In yes. And the first job I was able to find was in-house with a company. <laughs> That was super horrible, and I basically did the same exact thing. Okay. But uh, they they were the people that did. Uh, they put logos on garbage items like pins. Yes. And, what do they call that? Uh, term for those. They're called like a, the stuff they give away. I know. Keychains. They have a name pens. for what that is. It's a, the uh, whole thing is a thing. I don't remember. Yeah. But uh, I did that for like the couple years I was there. Yeah. <clears throat> and um, it was that was horrible work because you get you know mom and pop shops that'll send you a crappy uh, photocopy of their logo they made. We want this on cigarette lighters. We want this yeah. on mugs. Yeah, and the first thing you got to do is you know scan it, bring it into Illustrator, and redo it. And Clean it up in vector graphics, right? So basically, you're making their logo for you. Yeah, <laughs> you're giving them a, a which real is a very logo. expensive thing to pay somebody to do. So, and then, but I was able to do, you know, big catalogs with them and stuff for that. And, you know, I'd look over and see, this is what bugged me. I'd look over and see the two guys that did the production end of it um, with a browser open over another browser. And they were doing their little fantasy football league <laughs> the whole damn time when they were at work. <laughs> and we're doing all this, you know, crappy, you know, something blah, blah, dot yeah. com that's probably not even around anymore <laughs> and making it so we can fit it on a pen and these yeah. guys are just there screwing around. <laughs> that is an art form. I mean, that is, them screwing around aside, I mean, that's an art form to be able to take some miss, you know, some logo that was not really made, some, it's not graphically sound and then place it on a pen or put it on Yeah, well, no, but they, I mean, they basically were pushing buttons, or they're getting files ready to get the film or the you know the silk screen kind of stuff right. set, 
to take it over to the, the big factory part where they actually did the work. Right. Oh, okay. They okay. did the finishing on whatever. They, okay. they gave the people who did the, the screening the screens. Yes. Or, you know, they, I... They, they, at the print shop, they have a big, huge screen, right? And then they put all the art on that screen and do one run. Yeah, I, we never, I, I never really went into that part of the building okay. very much, but uh, it was a lot of social screening. But then, you know, this this company that I worked for was also calling, you know, these, these color printers they had, you okay. know, okay, four color that. offset printing. Yes. And, and at that was, time, wasn't that kind of just booming, like? Well, they, this is like, for me, integrity kind of thing kind yeah. of comes in here. <laughs> they were calling it four color offset printing, but they were running it through a color copier, oh, really? a digital file. You could do that because you could hook a PC up to a copy machine. Yeah. 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 And then, you know, they, <coughs> they print out sheets like this, and then they would send it to the people where they can, you know, die cut out the little circles to put on the little round keychain or something like that. Seriously? Yeah. Oh, I remember those things. Just they, stuff like were that. Were they lighters or they well, it's just, no, like they, they literally did any any kind of stuff like that you could ever think of. They, they used they the did. color printer to do but, that? Um, well, they did, but they were charging for people that they were you know, saying that they were doing it on a four-color right. offset thing, when it really was only four different color toner cartridges. I love that. <laughs> That's killer. And what made me, you know, what made me accept the, the thing to come back here with Clark was um, we did this, I did all these great designs for this cover, this, uh, the, the, the catalog they had. Yeah, I, I worked for you know a couple weeks doing a couple different mock-ups of what the cover should look like, and then the guy that was over us, who basically was I don't know what his title was, was as he brought in a competitor's cover and he loved it so much he wanted us to copy it. Of course. And we had to copy it. Of course. That's yeah. like after you already. Yeah. So we just copied it, and then you know I, Clark got a hold of me and uh, wanted to do. The pizza stuff out here. Right, right. So then we all figured out how to get. That's. Had I been in contact with you at that point or no? Um. Were we all skating yet, or do we have a reunion? You at know all what? I, I remember finding Skatetopia.net. Okay. At the end of my Chicago stuff, because I went down to a skate shop and I got a, a board and wheels, and I okay. first skated again during that time. So it would have been about. You're in your forties. What the hell made you want to get back on a skateboard? You're only as old as you feel, right? Um, but it's one of those things where I put the board together, um, went down to this pretty killer park on the lake mm. out in Chicago, mm. and uh, I think it was like 20-something years. Wow. And uh, wow. I was grinding the pool the next, the second day. What? Like a nine-foot pool. Dude. <laughs> so it's like riding a bike, but, you know, it's... Not for me. It's... Yeah, well, that's that's all I can do, though, right? Still. 15 years later. I mean, we've been in, bad, back dude. in California for 13, about 15, How old about 15 you or 16 years. How old were you when you used that? When you picked that board and you did it? We've been about 40. That's pretty damn good, dude. That's pretty damn good. Were you doing other stuff, like being in shape or have balance, or were you just literally just to come back on the bike? Um, I don't think I was in shape, because I, you know, I was sitting at a computer doing graphic design all day. I, I, in fact, I remember I, I probably weighed about 20 pounds more than I usually do. Huh. That's what I was um, The skateboarding gets you back in the safe, obviously. Sure. Yeah. And I, I didn't really get hurt too much. And then uh, 
I think I did that after I first got back in touch with you by seeing okay. the, the website. And then shortly after that, we came, came back to this area. Not this area, the, the Central Coast. Yes. Because I remember meeting your son, or seeing your son, through a baby, like at Glendale State Park. Maybe the first yeah. Time. It might have been the first time I saw him. Um, maybe it was the first time I met your wife. Well, we had Beckett. Uh, he's only 11. He'll be 12 in August. Yeah. So, you know, this has been since I've been with Trader Joe's. So right. this is uh, probably about three or four years after we came back. Right. Um, finally, we finally decided we were in a situation where we could have kids <laughs> and not, you know, be destitute or anything. Yeah, yeah. Um, That's a great, great thing, isn't it? That, don't you think? To have kids and... Oh, yeah. No, I... I'm loving it. Yeah. I mean, I know uh, I was going to ask you about uh, if Apollo's doing Little League anymore, right? He wants to start up again, but he got, he got he, went, he was at an age where it was getting kind of serious, and he wasn't as tall as the other kids, and I think that he didn't want to get hit by the ball. Okay. So they're really, you know, throwing some hard, you know, fastballs, and but now he's actually talking about he wants to go back. And, well, he's starting could, to grow a little, so. That could spend, uh, he's in his first year of Little League, first time. And he did uh, AYSO soccer okay. last, whenever they did it. So getting him into team sports has been really good for him, too. That's killer. Um, and he, he likes, he did a little kind of a summer-long uh, junior Giants kind of thing where you okay. uh, learn baseball, basically. Okay. Because he doesn't even really know the rules. There's a lot to baseball. But, I mean, he's in, like, the major section, which I guess is 11, 12-year-olds. Okay. And it's kind of obvious some of these kids have been playing since they were like five years old. Oh, well, yeah, and their dads are probably coaches. Yeah, and well, and, yeah. and like three coaches, a main coach and a hitting coach and a pitching coach. Wow. And the main coach's kid is on the team. Right. And then... Is the, it a pitcher? Well, of course he's a pitcher. <laughs> but he's a good pitcher. No, I know. I'm not saying he's not. <laughs> I'm not saying he's not. And then a couple so of the other... was a little... Well, not literally, but he was in baseball for you know, nearly a decade. How old, how old is he now? He's 12. But he started about, at about 5. Yeah. Yeah, so, I mean, Beckett's, he's, he's plugging right along. And the team is actually really good. Killer. You know, Beckett's, like, you know, the right field kid. And he gets up. There's 11 kids on the team, so he'll get up every 11 players. They right. rotate through everybody. In the lineup, yeah. Um, you know, it's been, they're 8-2. and two. They, they haven't gotten, uh, they won yesterday. But uh, he hasn't got a hit yet, but he's connected a bunch of times. That's killer. You, you know, <laughs> nothing, I don't know about your experience, but my kids were in both soccer and baseball. There's nothing more nasty than soccer parents. Oh. You know what? <laughs> Beckett was in uh, soccer. Yeah. And we're up there in Lompoc with, uh, you know, a bunch of Hispanic kids that have probably been playing since they could walk. Okay. And we found out, we found out the parents were nicer than the kids. <laughs> Beckett has some real problems with some of the kids. They're playing dirty? They're playing dirty. They just gang, gang up on them and just in stupid ways. And so, right. You know, and he, he made it through the whole season. In the last game, he actually got a got a score, a goal. Killer. That's killer. Um, but then he kind of, they, they were kind of killing this team. Okay. And uh, there was some stuff going on in front of the goal, and Beckett was in front of the goal, and somebody kicked it right at him, and he put his hands up like the block. So they ended up getting a, a free penalty kick or whatever, sure. and the kid got a goal out of it. So Beckett, you know, yeah. it was his fault that they didn't have a shutout. It happened. Yeah. 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 So, so who, who would have known that um, there'd be so much shady 
things going on on a soccer field. You and I are, are ex-skateboarders. <laughs> I thought we were supposed to be the shady people. Well, I mean, what, what shady went on in skating? I mean, it's just fun snaking people and stuff and having There's a good time. There's shady stuff going on in Skatopia. I was too young for the real shady stuff. Like what? Oh, I don't know. I mean, I was just too young. I, I couldn't hang around with Joe Wood or... or uh, Oh. Peterson. Well, they were, sure little, they were all. They were a little older than us. Yeah. I mean, I, I always thought you were like way younger than me, but you're not really. Well, at that time I was. I mean, 14 and 17, those were two different worlds. Yeah. Well, that's that's what I realized. Yeah. Yeah. You know, we always you know idolized the, the older punk rocker guys that would go into LA and stuff. I mean, when I think about Alfred and you know Scotty and Harry mm -hmm. and stuff, I think about them coming back from you know the Bates Hall riot. Right. That everybody wrote songs about and stuff. They did. They experienced that. Yeah. You know, we're all little kids. You know, buying records, punk rock records, and not even able to drive yet, so we can't even go down to Hollywood to go see any bands. <laughs> I love Scotty. I I I want to do a podcast with him. I, I hope he'll do it. Um, he was just so grouchy all the time. I loved it. He was just so grouchy. Oh. I remember, the way I remember Scotty is he, the, the way he'd say, man, ah, hotter, get away from me, hotter. That's all I ever. But, and now as adults, we're actually pretty good friends. Okay. Yeah, he's great. Yeah. Yeah, he's yeah. like you, he's got a lot of integrity. He loves gardening and. Um, no, yeah. I remember, I like, I like when I was on Facebook being able to see, uh, or however I was able to see it, uh, all his gorilla gardening yeah. kind of stuff. That's kind of cool. Yep, he's yeah, still doing it. He's retired, but he still loves that. Thousand percent into that. Just, oh, that's, that's cool. Yeah. I remember uh, the last time I saw him was when I guess his wife or partner, whoever it is, retired. Oh, right. They're both ex postal workers, yeah. yeah. Mary. Her name's Mary. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, he's great. You know, um, you ever see Bill Billing anymore? Or, um, uh, we see him at the skateboarding kind of stuff. Yeah. Yeah, you know, and then, you know, we've been down to his house sometimes to, to ride the ramp. Um, he'll be there tomorrow. Okay. John got him a ticket. Because he doesn't always go. No, I, I, a couple years ago was the last time I went, and he was there that time. Okay. So I think a lot of those San Diego people are going to come up. Cool. That's um, cool. And, and Liz, you got your ticket, right? Yeah. Or somebody. Just signs me up. So if they, if, they, if, they, uh, if they ask people to show their tickets, they'll kick me out. Oh. But then I'll just call up again. Say, can you give me back in? They kick me out. That's that's what I hope will happen. I don't know. No, you'll get in. Yeah. John usually uh. That's John knowing everybody, right? Yeah. He's he's pretty tight with Christy and Steve Van Dorn, so he always gets to know his little deck pass. <laughs> right. Um, but he gets a lot. Of, he usually ends up getting a lot of people into. You think people have more fun on the deck at the Protect Bull party? You think they have more fun in the audience? It just depends on who you're with. I mean, I, I think you're kind of stuck down there if you're on the deck, but, or else you can just leave. Yeah. But it's more of a, like a little status symbol to be down there, I guess. But how doesn't it get tiring just sitting there and being beloved by others? And you know. <laughs> or, or they can just say, you know, like Kelly, Kelly saw John a couple years ago. Every time I look, I was watching stuff, and you were in the background. <laughs> John was just sitting there, you know, having fun, just watching. Well, speaking of Kelly Bellmar, let me see, I'm going to find a text from him. Do you remember Kelly Bellmar from Skatopia Days? I was trying to think of that. I don't remember him very much. I mean, there was the core group of us. 
That was uh, me and you and Clark and Dale right. and Amy. Right. And then Matt. That was our little crowd. Yeah, and then Matt. Um, and then the, you know, Chuck for a while, just the, the, the local guys. But we had our core little group of people. Right. I, I don't even remember Brian that much. I saw Brian really? last night. Brian Martin was there? Yeah. Oh, that's great. And uh, you know who else was there? Tony Howlett. Oh my God, Tony Howlett. <laughs> what is he doing? Did you talk to him? I talked, he was at the bar and um, I was coming by, going back to where I was sitting. And he said, he, I talked to him for a few minutes, but he said he'd come find me and he never did. And then I, I had to leave a little bit before everybody was done because the parking garage I was in was closing at 10. Oh. And everybody else was in this better parking garage right next door, and I didn't find that one yet. Hey, that happened, actually, that happened to me on Trina Paula's birthday where the game down at San Diego, a baseball game in San Diego. Same exact thing. So, uh... But, uh, Tony was, I mean, I thought my mom knew about him. I told my mom that I saw him. And she didn't know, but Tony was, you know, right there in Whittier, right across the street from basically the DMV where... Right now? No, no, no. Oh. That's where, that's where he was back then. I remember that. Before Ski, before Ski Topia even. Oh, before. Wasn't he like in some apartment over there or something yeah. like that? Or? Yeah, and we, we basically... Uh, so read this. Uh, this is a little chat from Kelly Belmont. Read it out loud. Where, where to start? The gray one with the gray... I'm hoping for a Ken Hada had a conversation with Ken Hada. Is it possible? With the possibility of people thinking that you might be crazy, might be too much. I am crazy. So will you do it? It's only a story like any other story. That's so funny. I'll check Ken Hodder's availability. <laughs> see, it uh, See, it brings something interesting and unique to your project. You should be an idea guy for the aerospace. <laughs> I mean, he how's cracks he, me up. How's he doing? I mean, look, this, I just got this out of the blue, out of nowhere. I'm like, I'll, sometimes I'll see him, I'll talk to him once a year, other times maybe four times a year. That's great. I mean, um, this is how much I, I listen to your podcast. Uh -huh. Uh -huh. I listen to the Kelly, Kelly, Kelly's. And he gave me shit for some reason about music. He did on the podcast? Yeah. You actually heard it because like, I had to take that thing down so quickly. Why? He didn't want it up. He just stuff. Oh. Yeah. Well, I, I was listening to whatever came out. Right. Yeah, I don't think, I, I don't think anybody ever really but, heard uh, the But basically... Uh, <laughs> and he wouldn't care if I even sent you the podcast for you to listen to, but he didn't want it up. Oh, yeah. why did he, why did he say time and do it? I don't even remember. But he, he he said I told him that some one of his favorite guitarists wasn't a great guitarist. <laughs> and I don't even know anything about guitarists. I, I know zero about guitarists, so I don't remember. I wouldn't I wouldn't have an opinion on that. You know, um, you know? I, that's interesting. I wonder if Kelly Belmar looked up to you. I mean, I know that I did because I was younger than you. Dale did. You know, we were young and you were a great skater. You know, and but I wonder if maybe Kelly kind of idolized you or something. Like that. Maybe that's why I thought you were. Harsh on or something like that, you know? No, I. Well, I mean, I've, I've lost a billion brain cells since then. So I probably might not be able to remember it, but I don't I don't think I've ever had a, a strong opinion about guitar players in my life. I was a huge Anglophile. You know, all my you music. Were? For music. Right. You know, with the Joy Division and weird stuff. Right. Um, but that's what kind of. It made me just go, what? <laughs> You know, and, and it, what brought it into it was, you know, people were talking how quiet I was. Mm. And he goes, yeah, I wish he was still kind of still Oh, quiet. I do remember that from the <laughs> podcast. He says, I thought this was strange. I've never heard anybody dig on you. 
But you never really hurt anybody, or you weren't very confrontational? No, I, well, I, I was pretty much not, I never learned how to communicate very well with people. Mm. <laughs> I never had problems. I mean, being shy is the one thing, but just articulating right. your thoughts. You know, you got stuff spinning around your head. It's hard yeah. to get it out in the right way. Right, right. We didn't talk much of skateboarding, did we? I mean, we talked about stuff like this, but um, mostly of skateboarding, you know, and hunger. Yeah, just goofy stuff and yeah. goofy teenage stuff. Yeah. But um, i got to warn you that i got to take my daughter to her call time at her choir thing at 5. So we're going to have to split at 4.45. Okay, so we don't finish today. We can, uh, uh, you know, take it up another time, finish. But don't feel rushed. No, oh, this is way more food than I can ever eat, so. You can take it with you if you want. Yeah, if I want. Yeah. Um, so what made you want to do the this podcast? You know, I asked Amy to do it, and she won't do it. Well, you know, I've always thought about, since you first started, I don't even, how many have you done, like 30 or 40 or something? Not that many. I mean, a lot, it says like 74, but it's only because I broke them up into... Uh, 30 minute dealies because I yeah. read somewhere that but now I'm not even doing that anymore I'm just like the whole thing goes up I don't care if it's two hours yeah um, and I for some reason I don't know through you or I, I found out from the first time you did it I thought oh that's kind of cool and there, there was one thing where you were talking to somebody and I can't remember who it was mm -hmm. but you were saying that one of the reasons you were doing it was so you could uh, try to try for Apollo and Kate to understand, you know, how you were and more about you. Yeah, right. And, and it's through conversation and dialogue yeah. that you can help, um, you know, flesh out people and you can yeah. understand more about them. I thought, okay, well, you know what? That's an amazing way to, to frame what you're doing. I thought, okay, I, you know, I, I, I'll try to be a part of this conversation. Because cool. I really respect you and... Uh, the, the fact that you wanted to do it was really, it's, it's I'm like, I was pleasantly surprised. But yeah, well, I mean, I feel like it's a time machine. I feel like my kids will never see this, you and I talking. They could never sit here with us as adults and have this conversation. Right. You know, so someday when they're your age and my age, they can listen to this and they can, oh, that was dad talking to, you know, Toby when, when dad was 55. 55? I'm 55, yeah. Okay, so I've only got a couple years on here. <laughs> I mean, I'm not even going to be 57 until September. Oh, yeah. I'm, I'm but you still were a lot younger. 56 and... <laughs> yeah, yeah, and you know, November. and I'm, yeah, I've done a lot of, not soul searching, but yeah. trying to figure out my own brain. Yeah, yeah. And uh, I figured it'd be a good way to me, for me to try to articulate some of the stuff. And all your stuff is interesting. I mean, I've even listened to the, all the photography ones, and then yeah. there's a lot of stainless ones. And then there's a guy, um, the, one of my favorite ones, this guy, Michael Weber. If you get a chance, check that one out. It's probably one of my favorite podcasts. I could be easy. I still got, I don't know if I have, I have a podcast app. I listen to podcasts, uh, I, I work an hour away from where okay. I live. So it's an hour there, an hour back. Right. Um, and podcasts are either half an hour or an hour. Right. So I listen to crap all day long, driving right. and coming home from work. Yeah. Um, 
listening to a lot of political ones, unfortunately. And then uh, a lot of stuff about literature and stuff because That's cool. some of the stuff that I've been getting back, getting back into is uh, both reading and writing. That's so cool. I feel that you know that that's the most powerful form of communication: written word. Yeah. Way more than any graphic we could mangle or any photo I could take. The written word, my God, it's like the most powerful fucking thing, you know. Like I, I, you write something down and I read it. I can't get it out of my head. I can't. It goes in me. Yeah, and there's, I mean, if it's well written enough, you get. You might not be getting out exactly what this person wants the person to get. Yeah. But you're uh, you're basically making that world in your head, and it, it's you know there's you know in a good story there's going to be you know problems and how somebody goes around trying to fix the problem. Okay. So when you're reading a story, you can say, well, if I was in the situation, um, you know maybe I would go through and do what this person did or not do what they did because they ended up you know, dead or okay. something. Right. You can you can try out. Uh, so you can actually gain wisdom through the story. Yeah, or and, and help uh, yourself understand certain situations in life. Not just, you know, think it was a great story, which, you know, a great story is a great story. That's another thing. But uh, that's true. So you enjoy the uh, that aspect of the written word, the fact that, that well, you can... I've been trying to do some writing. Yeah. Um, and uh, I didn't know how to do it, right? What? I, I, you know, how do you start that kind of stuff? Yeah, how do you? You just start. Yeah. But, you know, and, and you know through the Hollywood industry kind of stuff that uh, there's certain things that make for a good story. And uh, it all boils down to, like, either, you know, three-act structure and there's this thing called the uh, uh, hero's journey. Okay. Which a lot of you know Disney movies and stuff are based on. Basically, okay. it's a hero goes through a certain stages, and then there's a resolution at the end. Okay. It's and a structure. Yeah, it's a structure on okay. how to do stuff. And I, I've been kind of been reading those kind of books because you know, it being minutely interested in how things work and stuff, okay, is a little bit easier for me to figure out how to try to do something <laughs> than just you know starting to writing it. You know, they call people pantsers that just start writing and then stop writing and then they have a they have a whole story or a novel or something. Right. But then there's people who are plotters that need to outline it all out and then you understand what the story is and then you can kind of fill in stuff. They call it a plotter? Uh, yeah. Okay. Yeah, I mean, it's just, I, I don't know. It's, um, so I'm kind of just trying to work out some ideas and helpfully with myself. In what? And helpfully just trying to figure out uh, some of the, the issues I've had in my life. Cause, you know, it's you would uh, use that story to explain that or to exercise? Well, or both to explain or? stuff and by explaining stuff, coming to resolution with certain things. Yeah. Um, you know, like this podcast that, I, I don't know why I started this podcast, but like, I think it's just me, you know, like when I was a little boy, I made a, 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 a haunted house in my parents' garage. I was very little, and we had a bunch of kids in our neighborhood. I made this, I had this, this old curtain, so I made these pathways. I had my friends help me make it, and you might go down these corridors, and just my garage, like a little garage. Yeah. And me, a ghost would pop out at you, and probably playing a Haunted Mansion record on my record player at the same time. I think I had a strobe light, maybe a black light, maybe. I didn't think I had to borrow, <laughs> you know? And I 
let one kid in there and they'd go in there and all of a sudden there's a line of kids you know they're just petrified and um and then pretty soon one kid says how much does it cost to get in like then and donna made a charge of a quarter the kid gave me a quarter I was like, wow. <laughs> you know and so that just was one day right i did i did a well it's, it's like a creation that you've made and then you're eliciting uh, emotion yeah which is awesome but I didn't question if I should. That's what Kelly's joking about, you know, a conversation with yourself. And, uh, I think, yes. But, but, um, but so I never ever questioned that. And I, and I never even went into creating the thing knowing anything of what I was doing. You know? Yeah. I mean, eventually I would get it. But sometimes I, sometimes I just do it wrong for years or decades. You know? I mean, I, I photographed. I worked for a photo person. I was an assistant. We did, you know, Italian Vogue and... People, magazine, all kinds of stuff. I didn't know what the hell I was doing. I just set the lights up and got people Perrier and loaded film and camera. Well, you're you're absorbing uh, how they were doing it. That's true. I guess I didn't. I wasn't interested in it because it's like right after I knew you at Skatopia, I got that job doing the photo stuff. It just all I could think about was that it was like 25 bucks an hour or something. It was a lot. It was a lot of money, whatever it was. And um, well, yeah, I mean. It, it, it's like learning a craft. I mean, that's that's one of the things I've been finding out about writing is, you know, you, you just keep doing it. And yeah. You, you refine and learn how to do it. Edit, 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 edit. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, you learn through osmosis, even if it's, you know, some skinny model from Italy, you know, you're, you're learning by being there on how things are set up and probably what apertures or whatever happens with the camera kind of stuff. Right. You're, you're probably you, right. you can trade, you can take that information and go to a skate park. Right. <laughs> yeah, you're right. No, you're right. Yeah. I never knew I was because I didn't have, feel I had the patience to learn a craft or, you know, all that well, stuff. Well, it's, it's kind of the whole idea about uh, mentorship and stuff. Yes. You know, becoming a, 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 a latching onto a mentor that can help you out and learn stuff. Yes. Yes. You, know, you can learn stuff in a school, or you can learn stuff from somebody who really knows what they're doing. Right. See, now, Michael Weber is my favorite podcast, and at the end of Michael Weber's podcast, he called me up, or maybe he texted me or something, and he said, we have to do another one, and, he, and then he forgot to talk about mentorship, and this and that, and yeah. Well, that's what, I, I mean, that's, you know, I, I don't have anything to offer people, but... Um, How can you say that? <laughs> well, I, spirituality, right? Okay. The only thing that I really take in this world is like the kind of core beliefs of uh, Buddhism. Okay. It's basically you're just trying to help people um, lessen their uh, lessen their suffering. Mm. That's 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 mm -hmm. you know helping people get through stuff. Yes. And that's yeah. kind of mentorship. But it's also, if you're very self-centered, um, it'll get you out of yourself. Oh. To where you're not worried about yourself anymore. Right. You're thinking a lot about people. When you say it will get you out of meaning mentorship or? Just uh, the act of you know, helping somebody. Right. Yeah. You know, if you're taking, like if you're truly empathetic with somebody and have some, you want to help them get out of a situation or something like that. Mm -hmm. Um, if you're truly thinking about empathy, have, feeling empathy for them, yeah. you're not worried about how that's going to, you know, yay, I could be the person to help this person. You're more about 
all right, this person is going to be suffering less. That's where you're coming from. Yeah. I mean, you get, there's certain people that probably can like that. You know, build industries on how empathetic they are when they have no empathy at all because they're, you know, sitting on top of a self-help kind of uh, mountain. That what would their built. motivation be as opposed to... Well, they have the wrong motivation. <laughs> money, power. Yeah, money and power, I guess. Um, right. Wow, I like that. Yeah. And, and you know, I, I've been in the stupid grocery industry for 30 years, besides about uh, five or six years doing graphic design. Yeah. And I'll, I'll help kids that are into it. They might not even be caring about you know what, how to do the right thing, but I'll help them out and show them how the easiest way to do something at least. Right. <laughs> Are they open to that help, or do they resist? Most of the time. Yeah. Most of the time. Yeah. I mean, it's it's such a weird transient industry, anyways. So though. Really. We're in Goleta, which is near uh, UCSB, so we have a lot of UCSB kids that work at the store. Okay. And uh, they're just doing it just to have fun and. Yeah, know, yeah. Work and be cool and work at Trader Joe's and make a decent amount of money. You'd think that some of those kids would have money if, if they're from that area, but no. Um. I don't know. I mean, they're all. Scrambling. A lot of them have two or three jobs. Okay. Um, Which is yeah, with the. Yeah, you know, yeah. I, I guess UCSD is a UCSB is kind of a, a destination too. Okay. I didn't know how well recognized it was, but they have some good programs there. Okay. So they get kids coming from other areas. Cool. That's um, awesome. I like that though. That is heavy. That is pretty damn heavy. The thing you talked about about assisting others. How did it sort of let you escape your... That's why I kind of... I, I, I don't really consider myself a Buddhist, I, but I absolutely would live by just some of the core tenets of Buddhism, just, you know, helping other people um, alleviate their suffering, and then you, you have to try to figure out who you actually are. You got to strip away... I mean, this... Uh, Soto Zen Buddhism is by this guy Dojin who was in the you know, 1200s okay and he's all about like dropping off the body and mind and basically when you're meditating there's a certain place where you all of a sudden you just feel like you're not even there anymore okay and you disconnect from the ego or the well you just I mean uh, you know I barely meditate but I try pretty much every morning for about 15 minutes okay to get me going yeah but you can get into this weird state where you know it goes by like that because you're not you're not doing any kind of mantra. You're not doing any kind mm. of breathing exercise or something like that. You're just sitting there, mm -hmm. and if you do it the right way, you can just like kind of just be basically become invisible and just not. <laughs> and not that's a different like, kind of rest than sleeping or stretching. Or yeah, I mean, that. well, basically, uh, according to Zen, you're, you're in your true state. That's your true state. Yeah. Oh, okay. And you know, there's this this weird thing about. Uh, being in a pre-reflective state, doing stuff before you think about it. Pre-reflective, okay. Which, you know, is, is kind of a... Is that a, a desirable state or a non-desirable? It's desirable. Okay. Because you're not thinking about it, so you're not... Oh, yes. You're, you're just doing yes. it to do it. Yes. Um, because we screw up everything because we think about stuff. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, and I, I, every time I think about it, I think about skateboarding. You know, Absolutely. To bring it back to skateboarding is because, Absolutely. Yeah. you know, if you're in a big pool, you're going to go up and do a a grinder or implant, you know, a, you know, upside down something, yeah. or a grinder or something like that, you're not thinking about doing that anymore. You're thinking about what you're going to do on the next wall. Okay. 
you've already, I'm going to go up and do, you know, a foot plan. I'm going to go up and do a big carb okay. grind or something like that. But then once you get up there and you're doing it, you're not thinking about what you're doing. You're thinking about what you're going to do on the next one. Yes. <laughs> yes. So is that good or bad? That's good because you're, you know, you can always, if you think too hard about something. You, you can mess it up. Yeah. Absolutely. Absolutely. That's really true. And, um, when I was younger, I had this mentor. His name is Roy Burns. He's a, a famous drummer. Um, created a big successful drumhead company. He used to play with the big bands. And my first drum lesson, he came to my house and he walked into my bedroom. Actually, he'd given me lessons before. We got to know each other. So he, we had a music store. And then he comes to my house and my house, my room is a mess. And he, and he said, uh, clean your room and that'll be $40. And so, 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 you know, and then he, I gave him 40 bucks and he left and I had to clean my room. So the next time he came, my room was clean. And, and then, you know, when I got to know him better, he got me into the zen and the art of the tennis, or the inner game of tennis, mm -hmm. which is exactly what you're talking about. It was, it was about that we interfere with everything when we think about things. Or you want to learn tennis, you know, you think about how to hold the thing, you, your elbow's here, and you're doing this, and you think about all, you intellectualize it, you fuck it all up. Yeah. As soon as you can let go of all that stuff and just let your body do it, that's when you execute. Yeah. I mean, we, we go with... I take Beckett to the batting cages, and I'm, you know, I'm standing behind him in the batting cages outside of the cage, and get your elbow up, elbow up, elbow up. And it's like, <laughs> just, you know, there's all different styles of hitting, as long as you're swinging it the right way, I guess. As long as you make contact. Yeah. Have fun. Yeah. You know, my favorite coach for Apollo, the the kids would say, Coach, what's the score? He says, It's fun. Uh, it's fun to fun. Yeah, we were playing another, uh, we went up to Santa Maria to play another team. Yeah. And uh, it was their their home, right? Okay. They're the home field away, right? And their announcer and stuff. And they never, um, they never announced a score. Because by the end of, like, four innings, they stopped at four innings, um, we beat them, like, 28 to 2. <laughs> and, you know, in Little League at that, at that level, there's a lot of, you know, a lot of miscatches and oh, yeah. blocks and stuff like that. So, there's two games going on. <laughs> so, you know, there's there was a bunch of, you know, their, their pitcher wasn't on point that time, so yeah. there was a lot of you know, walking in runs. Yes. And, you know, they went through three different pitchers and four innings. But, uh, I had to ask the coach, like, what was the score? And he said, you know, 28 to 2 and a score. Oh, my God. <laughs> but, uh, so. You, you, you have to admit, I'm, I'm not a big baseball guy. I played a little when I was a kid. I was horrible. I was on the right field praying that they wouldn't hit the ball to me. But you've never seen plays like when they're young, and what you're talking about, like when, you know, when they played when they're that young. I mean, because, because they're not super great at it at the, yet. Yeah. And so you see like triple, you know, I mean, things happen that should. You, you can see a guy get a home run on a bunt. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Right? Well, no, there, yeah, there's, there's a couple inside the park there's home runs because going. people are, you know, putting their glove down and a little bit too late. <laughs> or when, when the kid overthrows and, I yeah. mean, there's just so, I mean, you know, it's pretty crazy. I mean, yeah, no, that's when I've been able to go to most of Beckett's games. Um, and he, I, I'm, I'm proud of him. He's, he's, he's doing it and he's enjoying Killer. it. He likes to do it, he's doing it. That's what it's yeah. all about, right? That's awesome. I miss those games. Now Paul is older, he's been playing a long, long time, so they get better and the games get more serious, less happens. 
Yeah. yeah. It's killer when the whole team's just chasing the ball around. You don't know who's on what team. Well, it's fun, too, when, like, some of the coaches get, like, opposing coaches will get too serious about certain things. And then our coach will do something like, uh, uh, it, was, it was tied up, right? And we got somebody on third and somebody on first. And he'll have the guy in first uh, steal. So the catcher throws it to second, but our guy at third is running in. Yep. They did that twice in a row this one game. <laughs> I love it. And the catcher was like super hot. You know, he was a pitcher the last time we went against him. Catcher's a, a tough position. And he would, you know, they were, he was one of the stars of their team. So you figure yep. he would learn after they scored on him when he threw to second that he would kind of like maybe, you know, <laughs> pretend to throw to second and tag out the guy okay. coming in on third. <laughs> but he fell for it twice. He did. <laughs> like, okay, good. How old are these kids? Uh, 11 and 12, That's sixth awesome. grade. That's awesome. That's fucking awesome. Some of the best baseball you're ever going to see. <laughs> <laughs> Shit, I did it. Oh, yeah, I got to go. Okay. So we're going to, to be continued. Yeah. I'll yeah. see you tomorrow at Protest. Yeah. Yeah, uh, we're going to go early to uh, go have lunch or something. I don't know. Okay. What, I don't even know when it starts.